0: Go to podcast. My name is Chris Graham. Thank you very much for hanging out with us here. And uh, I am thrilled to once again, be joined by our regular co-host cadre, whatever you want to call them, cast of characters, Ben Carswell, James Watson, Jason Owens, and Mike McCullen. Uh, Christian Jasper is uh, still on the new work schedule here. So unfortunately he's not joining us, which means his streak will stay alive he will sit on zero points heading into the Indianapolis 500 for our picks this season. Um, Good work, Christian. We'll start things off though, as we always do. Uh, Let's see. We'll pick actually Mike McCullen just finished drinking his way through the TNT shock series race at Martinsville that you saw here on the national racing network. He was drinking for every self spin I'm pretty sure he's down to fifth of something by this point. Mike, what he's are still you uh, still drinking?
1: <laughs> I am. I am just drinking a yingling. I wasn't drinking that heavily
0: during the race. I just like to play things up for the viewers. Oh, okay. Viewer one. I think you were the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, B- that was right. I am drinking a yingling tonight. I am. I am drinking Yingling tonight. Uh, that's it's good choice. It's a nice, solid podcasting beer. We'll take that. Um, it is. Ben Carswell, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I have a San Pellegrino, Aranciata. I think it's pronounced. I don't know how to say orange juice in Italian, but that's what it is. Sparkling orange juice.
3: Arancio.
2: Jason, help him out. Aranciata. Well, Arancia is arancia is orange, and then Aranciata is orange juice. I think I'm saying that right. I'm sure I'm butchering it. Prezki could correct me, but he's not here.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it has a couple shots of vodka in it. There you go. That's a good start. What kind of vodka? The important question. Well, I ran out of
2: my Luxor Soba, uh, so I'm going with Sobieski, which is another Polish vodka. Fantastic. Uh, it's very Polish good. Vodka? It's a smoother
3: vodka.
0: Only Polish vodka, Chris, you know that. Yeah, Damn right I do. I have enough of them in the bloodline here that I'm, well, that and that I'm married to. That, yes, only good Polish You're vodka. You're surrounded themselves. by them, bud. <laughs> that, that is very much correct. Uh, let's see, James, <laughs> Watson, James Watson, what are you drinking?
4: Something slightly a little more grown up, mellow yellow.
3: Will that turn your insides the same color as your uh, irate <laughs> delivery?
4: I'm bold of you to assume they aren't already.
0: <laughs> turn sure th- burn into his eyes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, Jason, what are you drinking tonight?
3: I'm drinking water and just water.
4: Okay. That's you even gotta- more boring than what I drink.
0: I feel like Jason's still a little pent up after the uh, shock race, so we'll uh, we'll let him off the hook tonight. Um, I have a Bellhaven. I thought Scottish we were going to taunt mail. him more. Uh, well, we could, but I don't know that we want to go there just yet. We'll save those daggers for later I don't in the know show. That
3: this audience wants to hear about that in any no. way,
0: shape, or form. No, no, they no really don't. No in one fact, wanted
1: to see that either.
0: And I thought we were going to have a pretty good show this week until I saw the, the tweet from Dirty Mo Media. Uh, you're listening to the second best IndyCar content podcast because Rick Mears is on with Dale Earnhardt Jr. on the Dale Jr. download this week. That is a must listen.
3: And how it is did, fantastic.
0: How did Dale Earnhardt Jr. become the one of the best interviewers in the sports world?
4: Because he's a really likable and down-to-earth dude?
3: I guess. Looks like Dave Despain Jr.? I mean, I don't know.
2: Are you saying we're not likable and down-to-earth?
3: No. No.
0: (laughs) No. We're we're subterranean there, Ben. (laughs) No one wants to talk to us. You know what? Just for saying that, Mike, I'm going to get us a 500-related guest.
4: This guess will be one of our friends that is going to the
0: (laughs) 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 one of the three people on the show. (laughs) Yes, Here's this guy, Phil. He'll be driving near Indianapolis in his truck next week. (laughs) Um, All right, let's let's kick things off here. First point of serious discussion for the night. Uh, The Indianapolis Motor Speedway announcing that they are installing the new electronic marshalling system joining the ranks of f1 the world endurance championship basically everybody that runs twisties it runs these sort of their led panels it makes things very visible to the drivers allows for signaling locations in places that you couldn't put a human marshal because it would just be too dangerous I, all in all, a big time win for the Speedway to be impl- and IndyCar for that matter to be implementing this
3: 100%. And I believe the press release also stated they are 237 times brighter than an iPhone. So I don't oh, know good. exactly why that was the uh, measurement of lumens they decided to use, but it it's relatable, I guess.
2: How many iPhones?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I was at a mid-Ohio race. God, I don't even remember when. This is how long ago it was when they were testing those and they rolled them out for like one of the morning warm-ups the morning of the race. And they had them all out. And I was like, oh, cool. Indy car has gotten fancy. And then they had them out and then they took them all in before the race started. Yeah, that was like
0: three years ago. So, you know what? The times. I would say in that instance, Perfection is more important than speed. If that makes sense, I would rather see them delay something like that than have you know. Like I don't know how many of you guys remember the LED panel saga of the LED <laughs> panels that were on the DW12s that just didn't work. Missed and, the and LED. They worked cars. fine
1: on the DW12s. They broke on the new body kit. They looked great on the uh, on the old cars. Or yes, they. When I was they the went first the race IRA when they team. introduced those too. They introduced those at Mid Ohio in 2015. That was the first IndyCar Car race I ever went to, and they were all excited about that. And I was like, "Wow, this is, this is pretty cool." And it was great. And every race I went to, I was like, "These are perfect. They're way better than the WEC stupid dots." Like, all right, these are cool. And then they lasted for like three years, and then they had the really cool ones on the IR18s that could do flags and shit, and then they broke.
0: Uh, yeah, I i don't want to get on the LED panel discussion. We'll save that for Marshall Pruitt's <laughs> podcast. Uh, but We'll
3: just say harmonic resonance and move on.
0: Yes, uh, and, <laughs> and harmonic resonance that didn't break the panel. It broke the car it was attached to. Uh, I don't know how you pull that off, but that's really special engineering. All in all, so anything else we want to talk about here with the new marshalling system? Everything's pretty cool. It seems like we're... We're kind of progressing. Do we think this is something we would want to see at ovals?
3: I say potentially yes.
0: Well, I, Texas has
2: some form of it. NASCAR. I mean, has the
1: some ovals already have some type of electronic light to indicate to indicate yellows. So I don't no, know. A lot
2: if of these SMI tracks have. The, yeah. Uh, yellow caution lights around the track i think
1: most i think most tracks do at this point i i really do think most tracks have some type of light for the for well, the yellows correct well it's they all the have same it's a-
0: my my thing is more about I, i'm thinking of things like when you're at a place like texas or gateway where you have to make your pit entry from the back stretch. you can signal pits open pits close those types of things with those boards as well where instead of just the blinking yellow lights you can communicate info to the drivers not just via the headset but also via the sign boards as well i think there's there's a lot of potential use cases for those on ovals as well be some value there um i think we'll see well let's let's move our attention then we're we're finally out of Barber in Birmingham, Alabama, and we're back home again Jeez. in Indiana
3: and the drama's coming with us
0: yes it <laughs> is uh, yeah. all right Jason I'll let you pick here. What's the first of the dramas that we want to talk about?
3: Well, I think the uh the first of the dramas is. The 10 drivers that uh, are (laughs) deferring to Graham Rahal to speak for them. Um, I I think we're trying to figure out if those are the same or a different 10 drivers than um, the ones that spoke to Will Buxton about the Arrow screen. But (laughs) obviously the uh, Gross John Rahal feud, as uh, I believe the NTT IndyCar Series social media team is calling it. And is trying to hype up for the race this weekend. Should be pretty darn interesting to see on track this week at the GMR Global Parent Company of AMR Grand Prix.
2: Oh my God. Oh (laughs) boy. Sure.
3: I'm nothing if not pedantic.
0: Uh, Perfect. You are very
1: pedantic, sir. Description. (laughs) And it's why we love you.
0: I'm um, I'm still trying to figure out And chase this thing down Like is there actually a story here Or is this just oh. We're bored and there's nothing else to talk about
2: You know I was listening to the uh, Post Barber Pruitt podcast And One of the points that I really forget which one of you I think Chris brought it up And Mike might have Jason, I think Jason partially agreed that there was maybe some credence to that. That Graham sort of speaks for the paddock. Marshall seemed to be really, really on board with that idea. It seems a little—I don't—I have a, a hard time buying that. I have a much easier time bu- buying that Marshall just doesn't like Urzal. That seems to be I, a thing. It was some very negative think- tones.
1: I think there is a an in indie and I've seen this this opinion a couple places and I think I agree with it, that there is definitely an IndyCar old boys club that definitely looks on outsiders, especially you've got a guy who comes from F1 and is instantly the most popular driver in, in the series and brought all these fans with him. I, I and he drives like he, you know, like he's been here a while and he's uh, and drives like he doesn't care what other people think of him oh i i think that there's just this view that the paddock kind of looks down or looks at him and goes yeah we don't like this guy and he seemed like he seems oblivious to it so either either it's nothing and we're you know we're getting clicks and getting our views in and our listens in you know talking about something that's a non-issue uh I don't know. I, I, I don't. I personally don't think Rahul speaks for the paddock because I don't know. It just.
2: If you told me he spoke for the old boys club, I would buy that. Actually,
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. absolutely think that there's an attitude in IndyCar that, you know, everyone's kind of come up together and guys who have, you know, who show up to the series are, are kind of looked at,
2: you know, Thanks for the Lehigh Valley you know. to Indianapolis crowd. I, yeah, I buy that.
4: You know, yeah, I I wonder if he just when he's saying all these things about oh Grosjean can't hang in uh IndyCar around all the other drivers, they're just uncomfortably nodding at him, and he takes the nodding as thinking that they're agreeing with him. So that's where he's getting the all all these guys in the paddock agree with him. That's my guess at, at any rate.
2: Yeah, I I just it seems to be this like. Oh, we have beef. Like this is not NASCAR, okay? We don't need to do this. I'll do this.
0: Uh you know what? I I'll sort of disagree mean? a little bit. I and maybe this is the old white guy in me, but I like hate. I'm okay with these guys not liking each other. But yeah, but
2: it has to be real. It can't be made up and, and manufactured. You don't need to promote and manufacture it. We all know that Santino and Connor don't like each other, and it's great for the sport, like it, it's it's good. They're two big personalities, and they don't like each other. But, yeah, and,
1: like, we've seen, but and we've seen we've seen don't like both of
2: them acting like they don't like each other. It's not we not seen that NBC. at a Grinion. Yeah, it's not NBC on it. NBC going, "Ooh, there's a feud. There's a feud." It's- and
1: that's really Santino versus the Paddock. I don't think anyone in the Paddock. Like Santino, at least from what they say, but nobody other than Ray Hall has said that he doesn't like Grosjean. And I'm sorry, hiding behind Ray Hall, you know, oh, I've got ten other drivers who agree with me. <laughs> who? Who are they? Why aren't they saying it? Like, I I don't know. I I just think it's it it's bullshit that he's like, oh, I've got all these guys who agree with me, and we don't know who they are. If somebody has a problem with him, I think these guys should all be mad enough to say, yeah, I don't like how he drives. And everyone else who was asked about and all kind of played it off.
0: So, I don't know. Is there something to IndyCar is very much an echo chamber? Some of the stuff that Graham Rahal says is outside of towing the company line. Because if what we're hearing out of IndyCar drivers and team owners and management is that F1 having two races this season and three races next year in the United States is nothing but a good thing. I hate to tell you, it's not. But the company line says, we're not in trouble. It's almost like everybody is just putting this front on of, eh, we're not going to talk about Grosjean, everybody's buddies. No, F1's not a problem. We're just happy in our own little world here ignoring the realities I, of what's going on in the surrounding the larger motorsports universe
1: a really good point and, and you know and i think this might be a difference between you know american-centric things and european-centric you know worlds where if you like watch an F1 race there is a lot more negativity from the drivers from the fans from the media it's a lot more blunt it's a lot more direct whereas you watch American races and pretty much anything right it's it's all sugar coated and everything's great and you can't talk bad about the series and you know you know I didn't IndyCar at one point have like you couldn't say anything bad about the series like written into the rules and NASCAR is kind of the same way like you know If you take Kyle Busch out of the NASCAR context and put him in the context of of F1, he's not that extreme anymore. He's not that bad. You see these guys saying this all the time. Whereas for our innocent American ears, right, if somebody says anything bad about the sport or bad about other drivers, it's like, oh, look at the bad boy. So it might be a cultural difference, too.
0: it feels to me like we are getting back to resting on the laurels of we have the 500 which that may have worked in the 70s and the 80s
3: it you mean w- the social media team that continues to run with the defy this or defy that or whatever nonsense slogan they've come up with for this season is resting on its laurels? No way. Get out.
0: Uh, yes. marketing okay. is Hold bad. On. Let's, can, can we put the exclamation point on that by saying reusing the same failed plan from two or three seasons ago? Hey, at least it's not the milk bondage video. <laughs> True,
3: but I'm guessing that all of us... Are too young to be on the IndyCar social media team. And that's a really big problem. Because I, I certainly don't know, like, I'm totally like, how do you do, fellow kids, right now when it comes to the TikToks and WeChats? And there's no way that anybody over there on West 16th Street has any clue. It's like, go hire the Wendy's. Twitter person to run IndyCar <laughs> socials for just one month and see what happens. I
1: think those We've guys seen are like glimmers that there's somebody like with a clue in IndyCar, in yeah, IndyCar and social media and marketing. Intern, Mike, but like, but the but this like the chief marketing officer or whatever their title in IndyCar is, you know, is an old white dude from the Midwest. And all the leadership is old white dudes from the Midwest. So even if you've got a kid with a good idea, they're going to run it up the flagpole, and the old white dudes are going to be like, "I don't know, I don't know about this toctic thing or whatever the kids are calling it." Yes, I know it's called TikTok.
0: Let's let's look at. I mean, so
2: one of the people who actually runs IndyCar Socials, uh, Dontre Graves, who is from uh, Indianapolis and is a HPCU alum. Basically, he came through the uh, NASCAR Rev Racing Arca uh, Diversity Program. Got to start there, and he now works Socials for IndyCar. They when I watched, him- when I watched everything that he did with NASCAR, I don't see any of that happening with IndyCar
1: because the people in charge aren't letting him do it. If he wants well, to
2: exactly. do it. you, you so sort of made we, my we point there, the Ben. have the people
0: there; they're just not it's c-suite you, you very well i say you very much made my point that i was about to make look at who indycar has hired as their their last two hires in fact as director of communications we got kurt cavin who is a long time 30 40 year journalist with the indianapolis star He left the star to to go work for the company. Shining
3: bastion of successful uh, social media and marketing. Yes.
0: And then we went to, and then they moved Kirk Cavan, and they put Dave First in that job. Dave First is a middle-aged white guy. I mean, it's the equivalent of hiring me. I, I, I I do, too. I think Dave's very good at his job. The problem is you have people that are running the socials department they're treating socials as media when the reality is socials needs to be its own separate entity. It's almost like they need a, a special room for the kids to play in somewhere on one floor of the pagoda that we're going to make this the socials space. And if you're over the age of 35, you're not getting in the room and let yeah. them have the ping pong tables and Xboxes and all the Google Appleification of the workspace that the the younger generation is known for. Let them have that and let them go to town. Because what they're doing now isn't working.
1: I mean, if you go and you scroll back at, at IndyCar's Twitter, it's not good. Like there's just nothing engaging it's all either retweets of like the stuff the teams are doing and none of them are really great at this and it's retweets of you know it's like one or two posts a day and it's just not engaging like there's nothing there's nothing engaging here
3: the music city grand prix which is one race that was new last year that is run by the tennessee titans media staff, their socials crew does a better job of promoting IndyCar than IndyCar's socials team.
1: Same with the Detroit Grand Prix. I still follow the Detroit Grand Prix uh, social accounts, and they are constantly hyping IndyCar, and it's not even for their own event. They They are tweeting and Instagramming constantly.
3: Yeah, so is Music City Grand Prix, and it's like, how, how do these race, these street festival events understand to how to build hype and engagement over the course of the year through repeated interactions that the IndyCar social media team, air quotes because i don't know that it's social media is just
1: outsourcing it to indycar on on nbc for example that's that's a pretty active twitter account they've got you know some decent content Yeah, they're pretty good with the memes they were at one point god that is the oldest thing that i have ever said i'm so sorry they're good (laughs) with the memes jesus christ um but like during the race, they're like, hey, do you guys want to, you know, see, you know, have our our studio DJ show you like what we're playing, and put together a playlist because that was engaging. Like the music that they were playing, uh, you know, to lead into and out of the commercials at Barber was actually good, was actually modern. Ben, I think even in the um, at one point in a chat, you're like, hey, this is actually good shit.
2: I said it was, the, it was relevant.
1: It was relevant. <laughs>
2: And at least IndyCar
1: and NBC is constantly tweeting stuff during races. Well, (laughs) And also apologizing for Peacock.
0: It's interesting (laughs) that you bring up uh, NBC because there was a, a pretty big discussion this weekend, and it started in the F1 paddock about how good F1's coverage is. Now, this is F1 people talking, but how much better F1's coverage is as compared to IndyCar.
3: Full stop. The camera angles, the shot packages, the slow-mos, the, you know, the 4K and 8K camera shots with from inventive angles put IndyCar's general race coverage, not including the Indy 500, to shame. Full stop.
1: I believe treats its fans like idiots. F1 coverage and other motorsports treat their fans like they actually know what's going on. And IndyCar and even even NASCAR, every single race is like is geared for somebody who's never watched a race.
3: Here's Rutledge Wood with a gopher. Let's see what's in this corner. Like, no, get that out of here. Like, I want to hear like, I want to see more technical descriptions and, and but the liberty media and and formula 1 do it in a package that is approachable to new fans while still having a highly relevant on-screen graphics package and, and it, like it can always- we talk about like even in qualifying uh, like nobody has any effing clue what's going on in qualifying in qualifying graphics
1: six, are awful
3: like, oh yeah, I, they're I, up, but on what? <laughs> or hang down? on, so I,
1: I heard James trying to get in, so let, let's let let's let us James get in. And then I have a point after James.
4: I was just going to point out that even before it was ESPN piggyback, piggybacking off of Sky, F1 coverage in America had always been pretty good at explaining the technical side in detail. Like, the most fun I had watching F1 was back. When we had our goat tier trio of David Hobbs, Steve Matchett, and Lee Diffie or Bob Varsha, depending on the time. And just listening to Steve Matchett and how he explained everything about the cars and how they operated, I always learned so much listening to him and just the joy he had. 100% agree with you. 100%
1: agree with it. So the other comparison that I have to a really good presentation of a race broadcast is, and I'll say it again, and I am the biggest cheerleader for supercars from Australia in this country, but the presentation of supercars is by far one of the best ones that I've ever seen, even in qualifying. Their qualifying graphics are small, concise, but there's little rectangles next to every person's name and shows what they did in, in each sector. So you see the guy who's down in ninth during qualifying, and you see him start putting purple sectors up. Hey, that's the guy to watch. And then when he's on the final sector, they'll say, in a graphic at the bottom of the screen what the time is to the current p1 right that's a great graphic they do that during the race they've got great graphics and then they have segments where yeah it gets a little technical but it's done in an approachable way watch a larco um overview of what's happening during a race and what the tire strategy and what the fuel strategy is it's deeply technical and it's like if you want to go that deep but he does it in an entertaining and approachable way it is by far one of the best motorsport presentations in the world and the fact that indycar continues and not even indycar but nbc continues to treat all fans like they're idiots they never talk strategy they never tell you hey this is when we see when we think fuel stops are going to be this is when we think the window is going to open even nascar does that
3: the 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 depth of nbc strategy discussion is we're in the danger zone like that's that's as far mm-hmm. as it goes right Drink. like does anybody <laughs> even know from watching an nbc broadcast on a weekly basis where the sectors on any given track are
1: dressed at american rate, track sectors are just batch hit on some tracks does
4: she brings the to have like six sectors
0: No, there's always the three, but they're batshit. Well, we we can ignore Sebring because we don't go there and we're not going to go there, thankfully. But they're still (laughs) batshit. However, there is a larger discussion point here that is F1 is making inroads. And if you had said five years ago, that F1 would draw almost as many viewers as NASCAR did for a head to head broadcast, I would have told you you were high. IndyCar Liberty now, is
3: printing money with that investment now.
0: Yes, they are. And and quite frankly, the the company line of we think F one is good for America, I, I don't want to be, you know, jingoistic or anything on this, but F1 is not good. If you're IndyCar, F1 needs to be the biggest problem you have right now. They are in as many homes as your network broadcasts are, because the people that have cable have ESPN. So saying we've got nine races on the mothership NBC, that's great and wonderful. Yes, it's air quotes network television. People are watching it on cable or they're streaming it. So you're still getting ESPN. This is, it almost like gets my blood boiling. The fact that IndyCar is just going to sit back here and like pull the wool over their eyes. Like we don't see a problem with this. This is rising tide rises all boats. You're not rising as fast as everybody else is. Ben, I want your input on this. I want to hear you uncork on this whole thing. I don't. I'm
2: not the right person to ask about F1 and America because I really, really hate the way F1 comes over here and acts. I find it patronizing, condescending, and insulting,
0: and a little ridiculous. Uh, you mean like police escorts to the podium and 14 million yeah. douchebags on the grid? And let's talk about everything. F1 this weekend in Miami was the dumpster fire that European F1 wanted to be. They wanted to make Americans look silly and print money doing it, and they pulled it off.
2: They accomplished everything they wanted. They went up, they hammed it up in America. And I don't, I, I, are we, you know, I haven't gone and checked what the Americans are are thinking about it. You know, and I, I see the, the Americans, I mean, the ones who aren't F1 fans, you know what I mean? You know, I looked at the formula one subreddit and the majority of them hated it. And the majority of them thought, Oh, well, this is just what they do in America. They're doing the American thing. No, this is not what we do. In no this way is Miami. Is it's not even Miami. It's F1. It's a bunch of European idiots and money hungry Americans who go, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. I want to see a race. I don't want to see your WWE show. I don't want to see any of that. I want to see a race. And if this is what F1 in America is going to be, then take it out. Get rid of it. I'd rather wake up at 9 a.m. with my coffee and watch F1. You don't want bare unprotected choose.
3: concrete walls for drivers to wreck into. Oh,
2: yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Let's have go-kart sections on an F1 track. That's a great idea. <laughs> Let's have tiny one lane uphill chicane on an F1 track, because that's what makes sense. Let's have it in a parking lot. Will Buxton, it's a parking lot. I don't a parking lot. Parking lot. Can, it can is a we, parking lot. Can we With we a not marina that. painted in. And you know what? If this is what works then this is what IndyCar should be. Okay? I don't, I don't care if it's, if it's ridiculous and if, the, if all the middle-aged men, and I'll include myself in that because that's apparently how I think. right? Uh, if, if we're all going to sit here, all the purists and all the elitists are going to sit here and go, eh, but it's not as good as it should be, then this is what we should do. Because F1 has leaned more and more toward these temporary events. Right? Singapore is a big one. Jeddah, um, Miami's a pretty obvious example. They're going to be at Vegas next year because what's going to be there? Eyeballs. People are going to
0: go, oh, what's this? What's going on? Well, you just and this is up, what we need to do. You just brought up the elephant in the room, quite frankly. F1 is not going anywhere. They made a $240 million real estate purchase on the Vegas Strip to build a paddock a permanent F1 building on the Vegas Strip to house everything F1 in America. If you think Liberty is walking away from this market, you're kind of high. So IndyCar needs to figure out what they want to do because
2: they're not... Look, internationally, you're not a competitor for F1. You're just not. So are you a national series? In which case... Look okay, at what NASCAR is doing because they're the, one of the biggest national series in the world, right? Cars, Maybe next to supercars. Small potatoes cars. to F1. Now, I'm saying... That I'm saying acres, it, too. you need to figure out if you're going to be a competitor to F1 or a competitor to NASCAR because they're vastly different things and you need to figure it out. You're going to handle. it up. will
1: never I, be able to compete with F1 because they can never, they can't bring that type of spectacle. There's no, no
0: spectacle with IndyCar. There's no panache with IndyCar. I, I disagree. It, I, you know what? Here's here's how I handle the F. one You're going to go back to the 500, aren't you? You're gonna you're gonna frame it up as the 500. Here's here's how I go. Here's how I handle F1. The the whole comment of and I forget even which F1 driver it was saying. Oh, I really don't have any interest in driving that. They're not that tough to drive. I am sending Graham Rahal out there. If he's going to be the guy speaking for the paddock, looking at F1 driver dead in the face and saying, you don't have a hair on your nuts. If you don't come out here and try driving the speedway, then. Yeah. If you want to to play that game, let's go. But you're not taking our turf. uh, Go ahead, James. Sorry.
4: uh, It's all right. Uh, To piggyback off of that, it's amusing watching all, all the F1 drivers, And the teams complain about the porpoising and suffering from that when we're all of us IndyCar guys are completely used to that. Like every time you watch a a race at any of the street circuits, especially Belle Isle, you see those cars are bumping up and down the entire race long. If they can't handle that in an F1 car, they would never be able to, to survive an IndyCar because that's how these cars handle on pretty much most of the tracks. Yeah, I, I just.
2: IndyCar is getting smoked by F1 in America, which is the problem. Like, this is your problem. Your target audience is America. Everything else internationally. North America, I'll say North America. Everything else internationally is, is a bonus, is a gift because there's, there's just it's never going to happen never going to touch F1 internationally. Forget about it. Focus on America. You are getting beat badly. I don't, if you're uh, Roger Penske or president of IndyCar, whose name I'm forgetting, um, Miles. Mark Miles, yeah. Yes, Mark Miles. I thought that sounded like a made-up name. Um, is starting to come into effect here. If if you're Mark (laughs) Miles... You have to be looking at this and looking at the ratings and going, well, you know, we, we were so busy on trying to beat NASCAR, we forgot we just got beat. F1 just beat both of us in America in prime time. IndyCar's not putting up those numbers that F1 put up this weekend. Nowhere near it. So, fig- you know, I'm not the marketing guy here. You figure out your IndyCar, you pay the marketing in and go listen here's what f1's doing here's how you do your version of that to get the same or i don't know a similar scaled effect to indycar not going to get the f1
1: but how do you get how do you get new viewers how do you find new viewers organically that's why you hire a
2: marketing firm none of us are marketers go hire a marketing firm they
3: do get some interns to run your social media accounts and boom done
2: I would let honestly
3: let, let the professionals see, you have
2: run your social media.
1: I'd love to see a case study of how F1 has suddenly become super popular in this country.
3: Drive it, to Survive. I read it is with, Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive. It's Drive to, to, survive.
2: Survive. It's to Survive. And it's... That's fair. It's the...
3: Which came at a be, perfect time when we were all locked in our homes for a year. Yep. And had nothing else to watch. Right, Drive like to it,
1: Survive at a commercial pre commercial free presentation on ESPN that is... Very short-lived for this world. I don't think that that is going to sustain oh, because I really of hope they don't Liberty saying they want more money out of that
2: deal. Well, if they geo block F1 TV, I'm going to probably
0: stop watching it. The, if you remember, when ESPN picked up the rights from NBCSN, ESPN got them for free. Quite literally, nobody, in this country was willing to pay to distribute f1 races and produce them that's why we get sky's coverage for that matter because nobody is willing to pay to produce an american branded coverage of formula one which is good because we'd probably fuck it up Uh,
4: i mean i would pay a lot of money to have Steve match it back
0: on Like if, I, the problem I is at this point it. Steve Matchett is the old curmudgeony white guy that's been out of it for too long you need to find the next Steve Matchett if you're going to go that route but quite frankly there is not a there is not the mechanic guy on the sky broadcast what you have is a presence in Crofty is very good at calling a race but I'll say he's good at calling a race. Martin Brundle just gives no fucks at this point. He's going to tell you what you're thinking. And then they have guys like Karin Chandhok and, and some of the others, Jensen Button stepping in on occasion, that have fairly relevant experience with these cars.
3: Karen is one of the, the best parts of the broadcast when they put him on air, in my opinion. Like he, I mean, we're talking about a guy that... Competently drove at Le Mans and in, in, in the WEC and knows what he's talking about. And he absolutely is fantastic. I wish he would be on the broadcast more. Right.
2: So the uh, the F1 TV broadcast itself, um, I forget exactly who the, the play-by-play guy is, but I think it's Joylan Palmer is our commentator. And then they have uh, Sam Collins, I think is that's his name, uh, who is. Essentially, they're Larry McReynolds. He's the tech guy. And that is so much better. It's phenomenal. Because he's up there and he's tough. He's, I mean, he is literally fulfilling the Larry McReynolds role this year where Larry's not in the booth. He's doing his own thing and he's brought in at this sort of, he's here for a third of the race instead of the whole race.
0: Well, he's just as need more needed. He's really good. It's broadcast. so good.
1: Again, right, if you I so I was watching FP1 um, and if you listen to that and watch that, Jensen Button was absolutely brutal on that on that broadcast. If you saw an NB, like, can you imagine James Hinchcliffe like just shitting over a driver who's struggling like Jensen Button was doing to, to Yuki Tsunoda during the broadcast? You'd never see that in American media. It was I was like, holy shit. He's he's just ripping this guy. And you never see that. The, the relationship that IndyCar has with its media is that the media isn't reporting on IndyCar. It's essentially just another arm of IndyCar media. And they are paid to say nice things about IndyCar. Unlike us.
0: That is something Who just shit all over is, IndyCar. Well, that's something that is common at all levels of auto racing coverage in this country it boils down to if you want to get into my racetrack for free you're going to say nice things about us i have local track promoters that email me saying i didn't get the article i didn't get the article from your guy this week what the hell it's not his job to send you his coverage if you want to find it and see what we said read our content but we're not going to spoon feed it to you And that's, and it works that way at all levels. Robin Miller was persona non grata in in some instances around the IndyCar paddock because he, he shot straight on a lot of things. He was willing to call out and say, this is dumb. This isn't working. IndyCar's falling behind. And Tony George and some of the other people in the IndyCar paddock said, we're not going to talk to you eventually you had to talk to him because he just kept calling you out every week. Hey, try to talk to Tony George again. He won't talk to me. Well, eventually Tony George is sick of seeing his name in the paper, but that's where we are a PR arm of the sport. We can't say anything bad about the sport. Yeah, we can. We have a tire shortage in this country that is killing short track racing. We have part shortages that are killing short track racing. Everything about motorsports in this country right now is hurting, and it's losing the game to F1. We're willing to say NBC's coverage is really great because it's on network TV, not because the coverage itself is good. It, it, this requires a top-down examination of talent on the TV side, the social side, the PR side, Everything about how IndyCar is branded and marketed in this country needs to get thrown out and we need to start anew. If I had the budget that IMS Productions has to cover the IndyCar series, I could do a lot more than what they're doing. But we're stuck doing things the old way and it sucks because F1 does print money compared to what IndyCar does. So, of course, F1's coverage is going to be better.
1: It's funny. We've been you know talking about how IndyCar, you know, should be worried about F1, and F1's kind of taking over the American market. And what have we been talking about for over 20 minutes? F1.
4: On an IndyCar podcast.
1: On an IndyCar podcast. Uh,
4: that brings up my next point, which is
2: that we need what? to do our GMR Grand Prix. That,
0: I was just going to say, let's segue. About let's segue. Let's segue I don't here. want to talk about F1 coming up this weekend it will be the gmr grand prix of indianapolis at the 2.43 mile road course at the indianapolis motor speedway uh 14 quarters five left nine right all sorts of cool information here that we have available at our fingertips but let's get to the important stuff a two-day schedule this weekend, which is a little bit surprising to me considering everybody, it's basically a home game for everybody. Uh 9 30 to 10 30 a.m. on Friday is IndyCar Practice One, followed by Indy Lights Practice. P two for IndyCar follows at 1245. Uh qualifying for Indy Lights at 2 p.m. Friday. 4 p.m. on Friday is qualifying for the NTT P1 award available only on Peacock Premium. I'm not sure I understand four o'clock on Friday afternoon being your qualifying show, but okay, we'll deal with it. 1030 to 11 a.m. IndyCar Series warm-up on Saturday, followed by race two for the Indy Lights Series. Um, And then it will be 3 p.m. NBC on air. Drivers, start your engines at 339 p.m. 345 will be the GMR Grand Prix. 85 laps, 207.3 miles. couple of storylines that immediately come to mind heading into the weekend. Renus VK was very good there and is coming off a, a pretty damn good run at Barber. And Will Powers sort of owned this place on the road course. James has a chubby now.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, um, I think did he so actually just so get? Soap. Wait, wait, wait! Did James Watson just get smug as a willpower fan? Haven't you learned by now?
4: Hey, his recent hey. performances at the NDGP is the only thing I've really had to celebrate the last three years. Let me <laughs> have them. Well, not the that we
2: we won't let James pick him. He'll probably start doing poorly again. That is correct. Um, I think Rogan is another story too because he was on the podium in both Indy GP races, if I'm not mistaken. I won the poll for the first one. So uh, with Andretti, he'll probably finish fifth, but he'll be really fast. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a, uh, if, if I was betting for a pole, I would bet on Roman Because One thing, Andretti will be very fast in qualifying. And I would not be shocked at all if Grosjean was on pole and ended up finishing, like, fourth. Because Andretti just screwed him throughout the race somehow. That seems about what will happen. And uh, Scott and McLaughlin has a will win first. I think McLaughlin will win, and Andretti will finish fourth, and, you know, etc. cetera. Uh,
3: this is the willpower-slash-Simon-Pagino-Pinsky-dominated track, more so than any other on the any other road course on the circuit. Like I was I was looking at the historical wins. It's like Power, Power, Pagano, Pagano, Power, Power, VK basically over the last several years. Like I like I don't know how you could bet against Will Power this weekend.
0: Uh yeah, looking at the numbers here, Will Power's uh career finishes first, um 11th, first, 6th, 20th, 7th, 1st, 1st, 19th, 1st, and 8th. It seems like Will Power is either winning this race or absolutely nowhere to be found.
1: I mean, I'm looking at last year's because I think that's probably the best indication of where things are going to be this year. Is the first one, you've got VK, Grosjean, Pelot as your podium. And the next one, you've got Power, Grosjean, and Herda as your next one so
3: <laughs> yeah and there's not going to be any rain or mixed conditions on saturday like we're looking at chamber of commerce weather you know low to mid 80s both days with patchy clouds it's going to be an absolutely perfect weekend to be uh, on the track, you're I making cannot, me look at flights again i can't wait to be out there this weekend i'm going to be out both days watching all three road to indy uh races the two lights races and then the GMR Grand Prix. And it is going to be a glorious day of open wheel racing.
2: We get it, Jason. You live in Indy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: yeah.
0: In there's... Virginia, there's no car
2: races within eight hours. Uh, if you're
0: lucky.
3: I'm sorry. Uh, IndyCar has a horrible a strategy fast. in order to address the population <laughs> in the Northeastern United States. I mean, I thought that they really had something going when they, uh, had the Boston Grand Prix until that guy embezzled all the money, but <laughs> I, like
2: in the Baltimore one, until we
0: got a new mayor, well, then it, this
2: thing and then that
3: thing
0: and et cetera, it, it's, it's kind of interesting that you say that Ben, because it goes back to the whole F one racing and parking lots thing. If you're not racing on city streets you don't have to worry about changes in politics, but we're not going to go back to that discussion. What do we make of, of VK this weekend? Because I'm looking him up on the,
3: he's a contender.
0: He's absolutely a contender. Yeah. I think he's, I agree. I think he's more than a contender at this point. Um, I, I just, I have
2: an issue betting on VK over someone like New Garden or Power McLaughlin with Penske. It I had a bad race at Barber because he didn't test no, it. For him. I don't know that you can. You can can you count on a podium for power? Because he hasn't finished below fourth this year, and this is I think we can agree his best
3: track. And I don't actually think you can. I just had to work in the count pun.
2: Oh god. Jason <laughs> I've had too much vodka for puns. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to understand them. I'm just going to get upset and rant. That's all I'm going to do.
0: Well, okay. So we've talked a little bit here about obviously the team Penske domination. What do we think is possibly the surprise of the weekend then? Kirkwood.
1: Yeah, I think he'll get screwed, screwed by Foyt strategy or something. They won't take a tire off. The fuel won't go in car fall apart.
2: It should be the track that he has the most experience at, but it's the track that everybody has the most experience at. Cause they run it four times a year. I
0: was going to say, oh, we yeah. have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five races here since 2020. Is this the <laughs> kind of place that you would of the road courses? You would expect guys like, Jimmy Johnson or even Scott McLaughlin. I mean, Scott McLaughlin has two starts here already. Uh, Alex Palou has five starts now at the Indy road course. Some of the names that you go, they're new ish. They've got a lot of starts here. It seems like that would sort of balance the field out a little bit to me.
3: Well, plus all the road to Indy guys have multiple races, plus the fall test, and that's two additional days on the track, Like, there's no shortage of surface and and, uh, physical layout knowledge of this track among the paddocks. I mean, this may actually be, and and I root for Calderon to do better every week, but this may be one of the races where she's distinctly at a disadvantage due to track knowledge. Yeah. I am...
2: If I remember correctly, Jimmy was about eight tenths off uh, at the second Indy GP last year, which was like a big step for him. He was like within a second of Blow and Dixon, who were up front qualifying. Is, I think this is one of those where you sit here and you go, oh, my God, the whole field is within a second of each other in qualifying.
0: Well, is this it a say, race that you expect Jimmy Johnson to not necessarily okay. outkick the coverage, but he's got a lot of laps here now at this point. I, it's one where you, you you don't go, oh, good. He passed all around.
2: It's expected, you know, like, oh, like I want him to be fighting Daley and De Francesco and running in like Oh, he's in 19th, he's in 16th. That's where he should aim for. You got your two starts. Go go, aim for that top 20 with all the cars in the field now. That's a, more of an accomplishment than it sounds. But yeah, he, this is not a oh, well, he didn't wreck. It's like, no, you, you need to do well here. Well, you know, scaled to what you've done, but you need to Pick it up a notch here. This is your pick it up a notch, Mel. In the same way that he went to the Texas and he just said, yeah, that's what we were hoping to see. Right? We said, yeah, Jimmy, he should have a good run. We want to be in the top 10 and he was killing it. It's only one of the top 20. That's what we want. We want it should be a Texas like weekend, not in terms of position, but in terms of He did what we wanted, and a little more.
0: It's an it's an interesting thought process because where do you go from Jimmy Johnson's perspective? I mean, obviously you have to go up. He's entering the season or entering the race weekend, I should say, nineteenth in points. However, you look at the cars that are immediately ahead of him, and it's. The 06 from Meyer Shank, you're talking Elio Castro Neves, a guy that's got four Indy 500s, Aaron McLaren, Ray Hall, Letterman. The only one that really kind of sticks out to me is the 51 of Takuma Sato, but that's even, that's a Dale Coyne car. So that car has been good in the past. This really could be a weekend that we see the field within one second of each other, like Ben mentioned, does that mean we're expecting a little bit more physicality out of these drivers then?
3: RG bargy is going to uh, play heavily in turn one and two. Very certain of that. At some point in this race,
0: we call that grab ass yeah. in this country, by the way. Um,
2: I think uh, pit strategy is going to become a big deal Getting your pit stops, right? Getting your end laps and your outlaps and getting everything nailed down. Perfect. Cause uh, it's, it's going to be a real, it's going to be a tight field. Uh, Andretti. Hear that, Andretti? Hear that, Michael? Be tight. You gotta get your pit stops right. Brian
3: Herter can't hear you. He's too busy trying to field a seventh uh, <laughs> Hyundai car I'm
0: <and>, uh,
3: <laughs> uh, IMPC.
2: You could, get a, you could get a Hyundai ride at this point. <laughs> you got your TCR wheel.
0: <laughs> you should,
3: I, I legit should try probably for one. good. I mean, I do. Dri- I do have two Hyundai products in my garage. So,
2: well, yeah, there you go. You can
3: get That's them. That's about Hurt the bar Autosport. I think to drive for <laughs> Brian Hurd Autosport.
0: So long as the check clears, I believe is the uh, the accurate one there. So, okay, so let's let's look ahead here then, as we are getting dangerously close to the one hour mark of this podcast. Yeah, hit um, that. Uh, we're getting close to it, so let's make our picks for this weekend. Winners and anchovies. We'll call them pineapples even and, this week.
3: James picks last.
0: Uh, yes, actually, let me get the uh, the spreadsheet open here so we can see who's actually going to pick in what order. Uh, this will be... Um... Well, it, since Christian's here and he will not be picking, uh, this means Jason Owens is first round up. You are on the clock in the first round of the pizza at the Pagoda Picks draft.
3: I'm going to take Will Power to win the race.
0: <laughs> you whore. <laughs> I didn't wait. Oh, that's awesome. He's just, he's just spiteful this evening. Um,
3: no, I actually, like, I, I teed that up earlier. I actually think he's going to win this race.
0: I think it's, okay, let's call it what it is. If you take anybody but Team Penske, and especially Will Power, you're kind of silly. They have absolutely owned the road course at yeah. the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 100%. Uh, which means it is time for me to pick second And I'm going to take Joseph Newgarden. Because, again, this is a place where if you go anything other than chalk, I think you're dumb. Uh, Next to pick will be Ben Carswell.
2: Uh... Part of me wants to take McLaughlin just because Pinsky, but I think...
3: I remember uh, how Polo was performing before that Honda engine detonated. Yeah. The, engine.
2: the thing is, all the top drivers are fast here. But like it was mentioned, I think it is going to get a little physical. In that case, I'm going to take uh, somebody who's not afraid to run into other cars from Grosjean.
0: Uh, Roman Grosjean, who is a very solid pick for this race. Uh, let me he was on the podium in both races last year in his Dale coin car. Uh, yep. Let me, uh, yes, he has starts of third and first with a pair of runner up finishes in his two races at this racetrack. The more he figures it out, the more dangerous he could be. I think it's not a terrible pick leads us to Mike McCullen, your pick to win the uh gmr grand prix of indianapolis
1: oh i was gonna say scotty mack but that got stolen away from me so no Scotty still there no i was gonna i was gonna go with grosjean i was gonna go with grosjean that
2: got stolen so scotty mack is my is my number two good to see that we're on the same line here mike
1: Uh, i don't want to be on the same page Mm. as you that scares me
0: so now we have that's because i'm a genius Uh, i wouldn't go there (laughs) allegedly (laughs) That brings us to the dejected James Watson. And your pick, you are the points leader, so you do pick last in the uh the the race winner round here. Who's who's going to win this weekend at the IMSGP? I don't
4: I don't even know who to choose. I'm not used to having to choose somebody else. I don't even know who everyone picked. Usually I just Let's kind of tune out when everyone's giving their picks because I already know who I'm choosing. Uh, (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, uh, if, if you want to go back over the last five races, there are still two race winners on the board. Scott Dixon getting the win at the 2020 GMR Grand Prix and Takuma Sato won this race one year ago.
4: Did anyone pick Grosjean?
0: Yes. Yeah. He's
2: yes. And you really were tuning us out. Oh yeah. He's driving.
4: Uh, screw it. I'll go with Herda.
0: That's an interesting pick here. Uh Colton Herta with finishes of third, thirteenth, second, fourth, fourth, and twenty third in his races here. It's either a really good pick or a really bad pick. Uh and I mean,
4: the same could be said of who I usually pick every week. So I'm kind of used to that.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Um, all right. So it is time to start picking anchovies. Then Jason Owens, who is your anchovy? Herda. You're really just out here to put a hurting on James Watson. What did he do to you tonight?
3: No, that was, that was my anchovy from like the start of the show. Okay. Like, uh, sorry that James thinks he's going to do well, but they're going to, uh, Ow. underfuel him or leave a drop a lug nut, um, or <laughs> put on like three primaries and one alternate in a pit stop or something absolutely asinine this weekend.
0: That would be fun. Uh, my pick is purely numerology based. This guy, his, here's his recent performances at the Indianapolis road course finishes a fifth, 15th, fifth, 22nd, eighth, and 19th, which means this race. If you follow the pattern is going to suck for one Pato award. I think he is your anchovy the week purely based on numerology, which means miss Cleo. You better not screw me over this week. Uh, moving off to Mike McCullen, you're next Jack Harvey. Cause we haven't talked about him all season
1: and he was so good last year and he is so nowhere this year.
0: Uh, Jack Harvey is an interesting pick, uh, two races last year. He finished sixth and 23rd The the three races in 2020, Finishes of 6th, 8th, and 17th, and he had a podium in 2019 on debut at the IMS road course. I would say that probably would be then if if he finishes mid-pack, probably a pretty decent anchovy, because I would imagine the team is expecting some good things out of Jack Harvey this weekend. Uh, Ben, who is it then? Who is the anchovy of the week?
2: Um,
0: I'm going to go with Renis
2: VK. Because I think the expectations are really high for him. And I think everyone's gotten better. And I think ECR is going to stumble a little bit. I think it's just going to be tough for him to meet those expectations that we have of him.
0: Do, do we hear at Ed, this track that he won't Do we think Ed Carpenter puts too much pressure, even on the road course, at the Speedway?
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think anybody places nearly the value at the
0: road course that they would at the speedway. Interesting. All right, James, it is your turn to make your pick. Graham
4: Rahal. Oh, I was going to take that. Oh. I was going to
2: pick
3: no. Rahal. That may
0: not be the worst about it, pick you've then, ever made.
3: I think that's pretty wise. Uh, I was thinking about it, but then like,
2: Even last week, when he was doing all that ridiculousness, he was in seventh, which Uh, is a very Ray Hall position to be in.
3: uh, How about he's he's had some really good finishes on the road course here, though?
0: Uh, I was going to say, let's look back through the numbers here. Graham Ray Hall with finishes of seventh, fifth, seventh, seventh, second, ninth, ninth, sixth, fourth, second, and twenty-first back in twenty fourteen.
2: Good pick, James.
0: Uh, you Yay. know what, though? With <laughs> with the attitude and, and the kind of baggage that he's carrying into this weekend, if I'm Graham Rahal, I want this to be my dog crap weekend. Get it out of your system, if, and then you head into the 500.
2: If we define our anchovy as failing to meet expectations in a bad way, Ray Hall not finishing in the top 10 is him not meeting expectations because that's what we expect of him. That's what we I'm expect saying. expect him to be in the top 10. Well, not even at the IMS road course, just period. He's a top 10 driver every week. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be eighth.
0: ninth. Uh, yeah, do Graham Ray Hall things. Finish a solid seventh to ninth every week. But with that, it's time for <laughs> us to, to wrap up our coverage here for the uh, the evening anyway, or for the recording session. Looking forward to a, a pretty fun weekend this coming weekend for the GMR Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Uh, once again, running this Sunday, 207.3 miles, 85 laps, around the 2.439-mile Indianapolis road course. Six sets of primaries, four Saturday. sets of alternates. On Saturday. Saturday afternoon, uh, we posted a little bit of a schedule here. We're only going to give you Sundays though, because we're going to try to go wall to wall coverage on the 500 here. We're going to start it this Sunday with the Indy GP watch along, uh, Jason, will you be at the speedway Sunday?
3: I will not be at the speedway on Sunday because the race is or on Saturday,
0: Saturday. whatever. <laughs> God almighty. You will be at the racetrack yes, on Saturday. I will
3: be at the racetrack. And as long as it doesn't violate any FCC regulations, I will try and join in the stream for a little bit from uh, wherever I'm sitting.
0: That is fantastic. We'll uh, we'll see what happens in front of Jason Owens. Then a little bit uh, we'll be having live coverage, not at three o'clock, probably a little closer to three 30 airtime on NBC and Peacock is three o'clock. Uh, but it looks like a green flag time of about 3.45 or so. So we'll come on the air about 3.30. But with that, it is time for us to get the heck on out of here. Thank you very much for checking in with us. If you haven't listened to it yet, check out the interview with Rick Mears on the Dale Jr. Download. That was another just a fantastic show this week. Looking forward to to hearing more of that stuff coming out. Uh, and we also have the four-time winners special that will be debuting At some point over the next week or so. Uh, That one's going to be pretty cool as well with all four of the four time winners before the passing of Al Unser earlier, uh, late last year, I should say. But with that, we're getting the heck on out of here. Check us out on all the National Racing Network socials Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter. I think we have a TikTok and a Snapchat, but I don't know how to use them. Uh, So I'll be the curmudgeonly old white guy. Once again, Thank you much for listening. We're not sure why you do, but we hope you enjoy the show. For Ben Carswell, James Watson, Jason Owens, Mike McCullen, and Christian Jasper, my name is Chris Graham. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We will talk to you all soon. Have a good night, everybody.